Swing and a line drive, left field, Benintendi coming on, dives, and did he make the catch? He did! He got it! Here we go. It's time to party. Right here. 3-2. Hey, he crushed it! It's a grand slam! Swing and a miss, thankfully it's over! The Red Sox have won the world championship! Welcome to Benny and the Bets Podcast. Can you believe it? Here's your host, Terry Cushman. Good evening, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Benny and the Bats podcast covering Boston Red Sox baseball. Thanks, uh, everyone, for joining us tonight. We have uh, a lot of Red Sox-related topics to discuss. Um, If you haven't checked out part one or part two of my interview with Porter Fisher... Uh, Be sure to do that. He was the whistleblower for the Alex Rodriguez biogenesis scandal. Um, Both interviews are, both parts are very fascinating. Part two has a lot of the, uh, you know, the intense details of the immediate aftermath of, um, you know, the initial report dropping. And I would encourage everyone to listen to that, you know, before things get hot and heavy here with the season. So joining me tonight, as always, uh, Andrew Dwan, and then coming off the bench tonight, Aaron Graves. How how are you, gentlemen? Doing well. How about you guys? I'm doing real well. Good. And uh, Aaron's been on at least two or three episodes, I think, and um, I'll just kind of rehash it again. Uh, We kind of met under (laughs) kind of cool circumstances. Um, we were both in Ireland. We'd never met previously and we happened to be on the same ferry boat getting ready to go to the Aran Islands, which are a small chain of islands off the western coast of Ireland. And I I overheard, Andrew, I think I overheard, uh, excuse me, uh, Aaron, I think I overheard your mom saying, uh, you know, you were from Maine or whatever. And I was like, oh, cool. Well, you know, we're from Maine. You know, my girlfriend and I, I'm like, whereabouts? And he said, Wyndham. And I'm like, I graduated from Wyndham in 2001. And, uh, you know, we, I think we, you know, we kind of ventured out separately, you know, through the islands. Then on the way back, you know, you, you were talking sea dogs with me. And I know Dahlbeck was down there and, um, you know, one or two other prospects, probably Feltman. Um, and we were talking about them and I'm like, do you listen to, you know, baseball podcasts? And, and Aaron's like, yeah, yeah. I'm like, have you ever heard of the Benny and the Bats podcast? And he's like, yeah, I have. And I'm like, well, <laughs> I, I'm the host of it, <laughs> you know? <laughs> so, you know, on a little tiny boat off the coast of Ireland, <laughs> like that's where I met my first listener. You know what I mean? <laughs> that's just the craziest story ever. So. Yeah, totally expected when you know you go overseas and you just happen to find someone from the same small town, and yeah, you always expect that to happen. Just just being from the same town all in of its own was cool, but yeah, so we're we're happy to have you uh, tonight with us, Aaron, and you know hopefully you know several times throughout the season. I I appreciate whenever whenever you guys have me on, so thank you. Yeah, yeah, all good. So. Uh, a very 
roller coaster week with uh, Chris Sale. Uh, two days ago, had some elbow soreness, as it was described. Had an MRI done. It was sent out to not one, not two, but three doctors. And uh, two of them, one was uh, Dr. Um, oh, man, how can I forget this guy's name? Dr. Andrews. And then Dr. Elitrachi, who is uh, apparently affiliated with the Dodgers organization, uh, took a look at the uh, MRI as well. And I don't know who the third doctor was, but they did get three opinions. And none of them came to the conclusion that he would need Tommy John surgery, which really shocked me. I mean, I thought it was a foregone conclusion at this point that he would have that done. But, um, you know, so they say he doesn't need it at this point. And I'm using air quotes, even though there's no camera on me right now (laughs) at this point. And, you know, just a lot of cautious rhetoric around him not needing it. And then it comes out today that he probably, well, not probably, but it's very much a possibility because he has a strained flexor tendon and i was looking at um diagrams on google images trying to get the uh the layout of the elbow i know where the uh, ucl is but uh, i've never really known where the flexor tendon is and i I still don't because there was a lot of fancy words on there and uh flexor was on there a bunch of times so but it's a common injury we see it all the time and it often does lead to Tommy John surgery. And I I mean, if you guys know of an example, please mention one, but I've never heard of a pitcher having a strained flexor tendon and then recovering in the same season and pitching. Well, I mean, can you guys think of anyone off the top of your head? No, I, I really can't off the top of my head. And I think at this point they're just kind of, it's just a last-ditch hope that maybe things will heal up. Um, obviously, when you send an MRI to three doctors, you're kind of looking at a grim outcome. But, yeah, I think even Sale kind of alluded to it where he'd say – where he pretty much said he'd know for sure if he's going to need TJ in about two to three weeks. So I think that's the timetable we're looking at. And you got to feel bad for the guy. I mean, he's one of those guys. Like, he's just a – he's a baller. So he wants he, he wants to go out and take the mound every five days. So I really do feel bad for him because he knows he's eating him up inside. Aaron? Uh, I could be wrong, but – was the flexor tendon the issue that Tanaka had a couple of years ago where they said for the like two years in a row he was right on the verge of needing Tommy John surgery? No, the, his was his UCL. He had damage to it after the 2014 season and then had the PRP injections, uh, which Sale did have uh, last September, but... Um, But Tanaka has mostly recovered. I mean, his injuries, I think, have varied. Uh, You know, one year, didn't he, like, didn't he strain two quad muscles running to first base in a National League (laughs) game or something? And um, I don't think they've been definitely, uh, you know, all elbow related. but, But it does seem like, you know, there's always this, 
expectation that maybe this is the year that Tanaka will finally need the surgery and it and it never happens and for the most part he you know he pitches well down the stretch and pretty well in the in the postseason he got roughed up in his second start against the Astros completely shut them down in game one of the ALCS but I I don't remember how many runs he got tagged with but you you know they were playing the Astros so you know who who knows what they were up to but yeah well you also have to think that Tanaka having more of of a normal delivery than Chris Sale kind of helps him from reaching the point of no return with that elbow as well I mean Keith Law uh, I think it was Keith Law years ago when Sale was coming out said he was going to be a reliever just because of that arm motion and pretty much said it was never going to hold up and obviously held up longer than uh, some experts expected. But when you're throwing like Sale and not like Tanaka, eventually everything's going to be a mess inside that elbow. I, I totally agree with you. There's just the way he throws the ball. Ever since he came up with the White Sox, I knew that Tommy John was eventually going to happen, and he keeps putting it off and putting it off. And I'm not sure if it's the best idea, but the Red Sox and him clearly think that it's the best option for now. Yeah, well, another thing that keeps getting mentioned is that there's there's no change to his UCL. So does that mean it's still slightly damaged or was there a clean MRI that wasn't reported and there's no changes from that MRI? I guess I'm just not clear exactly if the PRP injections actually worked. Yeah, I have no idea about that. I did see someone on Twitter earlier mentioning um, just with, uh, with these x-rays that they're every pitcher, um, there, every elbow is just a mess when you look at an X-ray or an MRI, so it can kind of be a little difficult to determine just about how damaged it truly is from where it had been in the first place. So you could look at an MRI and be like, "Oh wow, it's messed up," but it's like that same guy might not have any issues. That's just how it is after years and years and thousands of pitches uh, worth of abuse on that arm. Yeah, and I mean, damage to the UCL. Strain flexor tendon. I mean, I just, I just can't see any other alternative here than having Tommy John. And if he has it next week or the week after, he's going to be shut down for at least a week. So we're at least a couple of weeks away from surgery, if not, you know, maybe even close to a month. That's going to keep him out until next July or August. Yeah. So oh, absolutely. Yeah. I, I kind of beat up on the, the whole timeline of us signing him, uh, you know, in, in the last episode, and I was pretty scatterbrained about it. But, you know, it was a mistake to sign him a year early. And the Red Sox have literally botched every aspect of managing him, you know, since the injuries cropped up. And you know had they not signed him early then he's on a one-year prove-it deal at best you know maybe he fails a physical and doesn't even have a contract right now I mean who knows I mean he he started having discomfort on his first live session against hitters 
after six months of rest, you know, and, and it only took one batting practice session for all of this to crop up. So I guess what I'm getting at here is we have to live with the fact that we did sign him early. And when he went down with the initial injury last fall, I just, you probably should have just had the Tommy John at that point. And, and then he would have been good to go probably opening day, 2021. So just every step along the way has been botched, I think by the Red Sox. Yeah, obviously there's no way of telling, but I would love to know that um, what his course of action would have been had he not signed the long-term deal prior to last season. Um, would he have shut it down earlier if he knew he was entering free agency and not wanting to risk further damage on that arm? Uh, maybe get surgery then and hit the market one year before, or, well, recovering right about now or two months in, and see if he could sign a big contract then or a one-year prove-it deal. Um, I, I'd be really, really interested to see what he would have done uh, had Dombrowski not opened the wallet for him. I'm also very intrigued on that one. I'm not... I mean, we've. I agree with Terry also on the fact that the Red Sox have completely botched this entire thing since the beginning. And if you really wanted to look back at it, you could have seen it coming in the World Series year playoffs. He missed starts against the Astros. He missed starts against. The, he missed a start against the Dodgers, and he was really only useful for that final inning to clinch the game. And honestly, I'm not even sure if he was the best one for that. If it was just more of the fact that it's Chris Sale and he was the ace of that staff. Yeah, I mean, he could not locate his fastball at all throughout the playoffs that year. He was very slider heavy, and I, I don't know if maybe that was part of it. You know what? You, you know why he just didn't get off to such a great start in in twenty nineteen. But uh, and sliders aren't good for your arm. But yeah, I mean, and they went to a uh, Kimbrel was not good though. So I mean, maybe damaged Chris Sale even in, in that final inning was probably w- with a three or four run lead the best option. But just it's just utterly frustrating. And with with the the money aspect of the deal. You know, everybody praised Chris Sale. Oh, he loves Boston and he's committing to us. You know, kind of like how, you know, Yelich just did with uh, the Brewers, even though he's a position player and, and, you know, Arenado uh, last winter. But with Chris Sale, I think there was a little bit of motive. I I think he's like, I need to get a contract now (laughs) because, you know, I'm not pitching as well as I was in 2016, 2017. And you know, it would have been really risky to have to pitch another season, which would have been his final option year, you know, without already being locked up to a contract. So I think when they did offer him the five years, $150 million, I think that was a relief. And just think about this for a second. I mean, if with Chris Sale completely healthy at his best and then Garrett Cole completely healthy at his best, they're the same age. I mean, they're both nasty, aren't they? I mean, they're both they're both game one World Series starters. You know, if if the rotation lines up that way, yet Cole got three twenty four over nine years, Chris Sale one hundred and fifty over you know five. So he he just wanted the best deal he could get. You know, as, as sort of an insurance policy, 
and he got it. And, you know, he, saying that he loved Boston was nice, but I just think there was an ulterior there. Yeah, he was obviously hedging his bets a little bit when uh, it came to help. Um, I, I had been on a couple different Sox boards after the World Series and kind of threw out the idea to see how other people felt about it where I was mentioning that I wouldn't have been too upset if they quietly shopped him. Um, obviously not leaking anything out to the media, but just call him maybe one or two GMs that might have been looking for pitching and a guy that was going to be on a one-year $15 million uh, deal. And just, you know, uh, see, just kick the tires on what you could have gotten back because obviously at that point – um, you the trade was worth it. You got a World Series out of him, and it really only cost you Moncada, um, which who actually had a lot better news than Sale did today. But yeah, um, I don't blame Sale for signing the deal. I, if someone put 150 million dollars in front of me, and I knew my elbow was probably not going to hold up through that five years, I, I'm signing it every time. Absolutely. There's- on sales side, the business was done really well. Him and his agent, they, the Red Sox gave him the offer, and there was no doubt in my mind what was going through his head. And that's this is a great opportunity for me because I know my elbow is messed up, and I know this is guaranteed money that I probably wouldn't get otherwise. Yeah, and I mean, at this point, he's probably going to have the surgery you know, we can hope that next year we're at least contending for a wild card. We're going to be able to spend some money. The, you know, starting pitching market isn't great, but if Tanner Houck comes up and ends up being a middle of the rotation guy, every time I hear Brian uh, Mata's name brought up, People are just continue to rave over him, so I'm not sure where the ceiling is. It sounds like it's closer to the top of the rotation. He could be. It sounds like he could be with the you know the big league club next season at some point, maybe you know middle to late spring. And so you got two guys there. You still got Erod. You're hoping for the best with Avaldi. Um, you might get sale back in the summer and you can probably make one free agent signing over the winter, you know, whether that's Trevor Bauer, Jake Odorizzi. Um, I, I know there's at least one or two other names, no, no one, you know, of the Garrett Cole, um, you know, caliber, but some serviceable guys. And that's the best case scenario here. Now, let me bring up one thing, and and I tweeted this yesterday, and it kind of haunts me a little bit. Justin Masterson is six feet, six inches tall, had a funky delivery. He was a righty, though. His career ended at 30 years old. Chris Sale is also six feet, six inches tall, has a funky delivery, and is 30 years old. So... They're of different pedigrees. I'm not saying Justin Masterson is as good as Chris Sale because he definitely wasn't. But, you know, they both have these big frames with mechanics that just couldn't sustain them. So I just, I hope we're not going down Justin Masterson Avenue right now, basically. Yeah, (laughs) that wouldn't be, that wouldn't be fantastic. Um, no, I, I think worst case scenario with Sale, 
he misses this year. You get him back next July. Um, obviously, you're not going to rush him. I don't, I don't see why they ever would. Uh, I don't know. He just seems to me like he's you know cut from a different cloth than a lot of these guys. Where he, it, I feel like it's going to kill him to be out, and that they're going to have to hold him back from trying to push himself too hard in rehab. Um, I still have faith in him to get to 80% maybe where he was. And that's still a really good pitcher. If you got a guy in the mid to high threes, uh, um, when he comes back. So I'm not too nervous. Obviously I'm kind of throwing the towel in for a year and a half at this point, but, uh, I, I I do think he's going to be able to battle back. I don't think we're looking at a guy that's just going to, you know, crap the bed and you, know, you get like a Barry Zito and San Francisco contracts and situation going. Hopefully not. Hopefully not. And by the time he does come back, he's got three and a half years left on it. And if he can give you two really solid years, uh, you know, I, I guess you would take that, you know, that would be salvaging yeah. it. I, I mean, mean, God, thank God. Don Browski didn't give him a seven year deal. Oh, geez. I wonder, I wonder, I bet he even offered it too. And Chris Sales like, no, nah, you know what? Five's good. He's like, are you sure you don't want the yeah. seven? Yeah. Player <laughs> option for an eighth. We'd be having a completely different conversation if that were the case about the Red Sox having six years down the road just going to be abysmal. Oh, I wouldn't have needed a haircut today. I would have already pulled it all out if that was the case. Yeah. One, I mean, if you want to kind of draw up a similar contract, uh, you know, in fairly recent history, when we got John Lackey, I think he was damaged goods right from the start. He just, oh, he was. He wasn't, yeah. he wasn't well, healthy. Yeah, he was coming off that a very good 2009 with the Angels, and they actually swept us in the playoffs. And, you know, I think that's when Epstein kind of honed in on him as a potential, you know, target to uh, sign. But he wasn't good in 2010 and spent some time on the DL in 2011. And by the end of the year, they determined, okay, you know, Tommy John – and then, so he was out the entire 2012 season, which was the Bobby Valentine year. We were last place and then came back in 2013, was ready to go right away. And yeah, he had a good year that year. Yeah. And we won the world series and he, you know, he was a good teammate throughout the playoffs. Cause he was a villain. Like the whole time he was here uh, coming into that season, you know, he had a couple of media meltdowns and, and, uh, but he had a very solid 2013 came out of the bullpen a couple of times in the playoffs. And then he pitched game six against the Cardinals and uh, sealed the deal. So, you know, maybe, maybe sales contract, you know, is going to take that trajectory. (laughs) I mean, who knows, but, um, but that's just uh, another example that came to mind. Uh, any uh, any final thoughts on on him? No, just hoping for the best, and you know, um, who knows? Maybe <laughs> something will happen, and we'll see Chris Sale this year. But yeah, just fingers crossed. Uh, if I'm being honest, I was kind of hoping that we were going to find out that he did need Tommy John, so that we can figure it out now instead of in July, so that we'd be more ready for opening day next year than July, but. Yeah, well, he could uh, be. Overall, I think it'll work. 
Marco. He could be a handful of days from from having it, but the the typical uh, time frame is twelve to eighteen months, and I, I just think with his delivery and the fact that you're dealing with multiple areas of the elbow, I, I just I think he's going to be on the the longer end of that, probably sixteen to eighteen months is what I would guess, but. Um, but it's got to get done <laughs> if we want to try to salvage some of that deal. So, um, so this morning, well, last episode, we, um, Charlie, Jason, and I uh, had a list of, of candidates. Let's see if I still have it. I do. Um, and here are some of the candidates we talked about. Uh, Clay Buckholtz, Andrew Kashner, Marco Estrada, Matt Harvey, Jeremy Hellickson, Colin McHugh, who we're definitely going to get to here, Danny Salazar, Aaron Sanchez, Scott Casimir, and I had Taiwan Walker on the list, but apparently he's in uh, Mariner's camp, so he wouldn't be... Yeah, he went back there. He wouldn't be signable. But we were able to kind of, through a little bit of research... Um, eliminate uh, Hellickson. He retired due to uh, a setback with his shoulder. Um, we we kind of felt like Marco Estrada and Aaron Sanchez wouldn't be really viable because they're not going to be ready until early to mid-summer. And, I mean, if we don't get someone now, we're going to be dead by then <laughs> as far as the playoffs go. So they weren't really potential targets um clay buckholtz i I mean would you guys want (laughs) to want a buckholtz reunion (laughs) maybe like seven years ago but not now yeah i i said in the last episode i said buckholtz would be viable if sale was just going to miss a month or two then maybe you could use buckholtz to get you you know to when sale comes back um but you know obviously that's not even going to be the scenario so, you know, Colin McHugh, we liked um, Matt Harvey if he's in game shape. There's no – I tried looking that up. Uh, who, who knows really what kind of shape he's in, like if he could come to camp and kind of hit the ground running. So, you know, we weren't really sure about him, but, you know, he's going to be on a lot of teams' radars if, if he is, in fact, viable. Uh, and then I kind of liked Andrew Kashner, not because he's a sexy name, but a little bit of familiarity, and we know he's healthy. <laughs> so man, I, I had enough of Kashner last year. Uh, yeah, that was just failed experiment. That was not prime Baltimore Andrew Kashner, that's for sure. Yeah, well, uh, as a reliever, he he was okay, but um, what was that, Aaron? I, I was going to agree with Andrew, and I had absolutely no interest in bringing Andrew Kasher back. I, I saw enough of that when I watched his debut at Fenway. Yeah, well, he he definitely wasn't good right out of the gates. But, I mean, the the theme of this list is there's, you know, not a lot of, you know, there's not a lot of healthy uh, candidates on it, so... Um, yeah, you know, I'm offended. You guys, didn't, you left out one big name, oh. Bartolo Colon. Oh, we did, yes. <laughs> and why not kick the tires? I mean, he's durable. You know, maybe he can give you four or five innings. Yeah, a little reunion with him. What, what year did we have him? Was that like 2008? Yeah. He was on there for a second? Yeah, that's when it was. <laughs> yeah, that dude was a freak. 
He had a perfect game going against the Astros, I think the season before last. It was on Sunday Night Baseball, and he got it into the seventh inning. And I didn't, I don't think I jinxed him because I didn't use his name, but I, I did a cryptic tweet saying, if it happens, it will never be broken because he's 45 years old. <laughs> who's the next guy? Who's the next guy who might have a chance? Maybe Verlander. I, I don't know how long Scherzer wants to pitch. Verlander says he wants to pitch till he's 45. So um, I, I don't know if this offseason might have aged him 10 years, but um, but that's what yeah, he's... Yeah, we'll see now that they're inspecting the balls if he's going to last till 45. Yeah, and you know what? <laughs> not, to get too, not to get too random, but... Um, we were joking in the group chat how Garrett Cole just utterly got killed today, mostly by Cabrera. But if they are looking at the balls, and Trevor Bauer had this theory that the Astros were doctoring them with some type of substance. One of them was Coca-Cola um, and <laughs> it, it mixed in with something else. It was very scientific. But if if they were doctoring it, you know, we'll know by looking at his slider. If his slider isn't 87 to 89 like it was all last year, <laughs> that's going to be kind of interesting. And I, I'm just wondering how dominant Cole's really going to be in that ballpark. Maybe he's on to something. He can't check the balls if the guy's hitting 500 feet out of the ballpark, you know? Right. Absolutely. <laughs> So I just yeah. So well, you said with Verlander, let's see if he you know if he can pitch that long with with these balls. But but anyway, so uh, I I kind of got off topic there. But uh, of all the names on this list, Colin McHugh was uh, signed today by the Red Sox. It's mm-hmm. a very incentive laden contract. He's got going to have a base salary of I think. 650,000. So basically that's probably the major league minimum. And then there's incentives in there. I did not get exactly what they were, but the contract could be worth up to uh 3.6 million if he you know reaches those incentives whether it's x number of innings or or whatever or or appearances. Um so you know, it's a very affordable contract, but he was shut down last year with a flexor strain, much like Chris Sale is going through. He had something called a Tenex procedure. I've never heard of that, um, but he did have that done to his elbow. He hasn't uh, started a throwing program. Apparently, he auditioned for some teams. The Red Sox must have been there because they signed him. Um, but he's not ready yet. And I'm guessing he probably, I mean, if he starts a throwing program tomorrow, he's probably not going to be ready till mid to late April at the earliest. And I guess it's just going to depend on, is he going to start as a reliever? Because he has been a reliever, I think for the last three seasons, uh, yeah, at least the last two, he's been a full-time reliever. Uh, especially, I think it started in 2018. That's when they moved him to the pen full-time. And he had a I dominant think... year that year. 58 he appearances did. with a 1.99 ERA. So, <laughs> pretty solid. 
Yeah, I mean, if they can get that, that's great. Who knows what they end up using him as if they use him as a starter. Um, I kind of think the opener role is uh, probably out of the question now that, you know, they're down one one main guy. So um, you know, whatever you're going to get from him is great. He's got a great slider. Uh, so who knows? I, it's a great risk. It's only 650000 Obviously, if it's not working out, they'll just cut bait. So. Yeah, I'm I'm a huge fan. Uh, it literally, uh, there's no risk whatsoever, unless you just came in and tore the clubhouse apart. But obviously, that's not going to happen. So yeah, uh, really good move by Bloom. I also really like it. I really liked McHugh in Houston, both 2017 and 2018. I I want to say. I don't fully recall, but I think he made ten or eleven starts last year. I don't know if it was out of the opener role or if he was actually a legitimate starter, but I don't think he, he might've made one or two early. And I think most of his appearances after, um, May were, were all reliever related. I'm trying to get his game logs up. Oh, here we go. Yeah, I'm more familiar with fan graphs. I'm on baseball reference right now. Uh, yeah, his starts all came at um from March to May and then they moved him over to the pen, yeah. And he uh he didn't have a great year last year, you know, 470 ERA, but he has had some pretty solid years in in, you know, relief and starting roles. So I just I'm a little concerned with his injury because, like I said, that's typically not something that guys simply bounce back from without having Tommy John. He is 32 years old, but he, there was a procedure done, so maybe that was adequate. I mean, I'm like the last guy you should be talking about medicals, but um, I I don't know. It's low risk though, but you know we'll we'll see what happens. I guess. Uh, any other thoughts on him or no just uh excited to see him get into camp and uh just get acclimated to the ball club yeah i think he might end up taking lester's number too he's been 31 in the past um have they given that away since lester left yeah pomeran's had it oh it's oh my god that's an insult (laughs) <laughs> well, I mean, to be fair, a lot of people forget how good he was in 2017. You know, he just fell off a cliff, you know, right after that. But, um, but yeah, um, another... I think they gave him... Oh. No, go ahead. I think they gave him 46 already. Oh, did they? Because oh, Austin Bryce is wearing 31 at the moment. Okay. Uh-oh. Well, so they gave him Kimbrel's number. Great. Now, now he's really doomed. Um, yeah, so here's another thing. I wasn't planning on mentioning this, but, uh, you know, we did kind of blow through that McHugh, uh, part. Um, I think the Red Sox right now might be kicking themselves for not finishing that Will Myers trade if Cal Quantrill was acquirable in that deal for a reasonable price because, you know, he was a guy who would have been a bona fide starter, you know, at least five innings. Um, you know, so I'm just wondering if they'll go that route. Additionally, 
is there do you think there's like a, a at least a number four level starter maybe you trade Bradley for or maybe you trade Vasquez for I, I've been trying to come up with with scenarios but it's it's really hard uh you know the Mets I, the Mets have a good catcher so Vasquez isn't in play there Bradley might be but you did mention in the group chat earlier that if Mats was the target the Yankees could outbid us and you know that's absolutely correct they could so I'm just is there any scenarios right now with a non-contending team or maybe just one that has a wealth of pitching no, I don't think at this point. I think every team is pretty much set with their roster. Um, uh, there's obviously been no devastating injuries where, you know, uh, like a St. Louis lost Molina because he got run over in a meaningless spring game. Uh, and then they're willing to dangle a pitcher out there for a catcher. But I, I think what you see is what you got other than guys off the street. Um I don't see any releases coming up uh, that squads might make, uh, especially with the 26 man this year. Um, so, you know, you can always keep that one guy that's out of options, you know, at the back end of your roster. So I kind of think what we have right now is what we're going to have going forward. Obviously that could change uh, quickly with injuries, but I, I don't see anything happening and, um, I think we should probably get used to the players that are in uniform. I agree with that. I was just racking my head amongst non-contending teams, and I can give you their number one. I couldn't tell you who the number four is, so yeah, I don't really feel it. I feel like what we got is what we got. Another name I, I liked was, well, you know, I thought was viable was Wade LeBlanc, and he was with Seattle last year, had a decent start to the year. Orioles picked him up, so I just I don't know how much sense it would make for them to just simply deal him when they could build up his value and then maybe trade him for for you know a, a mid level guy anyway. Yeah, that's exactly. Yeah, they'll they'll throw, they'll uh, trade him to a team at the deadline for a prospect that maybe that team is starting to lose a little faith in, just see if they can get a reclamation project. Um, I think Baltimore is going to hold on to on to him. So, um, who knows? And you know, the Sox come out of the gate pretty strong. Maybe, maybe that'll be uh, the team we deal with and probably overpay. But yeah, I don't know. I don't know at this point. I'm looking at Atlanta right now. That was a team that kind of came to mind. They have amazing depth. You know, with middle to back end starters. I mean, their number five guy is Felix Hernandez, who they got on a cheap one year deal because he's trying to get his career together. Number six on their depth chart is Sean Newtcomb. Uh, number seven is, uh, f- first letter is K, and the last name's Wright. I'm not familiar with him. And then number eight is Tukey Toussaint, um, Toussaint, however he pronounces it. So, But, you know, they're stacked in the outfield. They got Ozuna, Acuna, and uh, Marcakis, and then Adam Duvall, off the bench. Travis Darno is their starting catcher, so I don't know if if Vasquez is a, is a step up if they'd be interested in him. But you know um I don't know. Their bullpen isn't that great though if you Oh actually it is. They did. They picked up Will Smith. I forgot about that. Okay, never mind. But it's gotta be a team like that that just has some depth that can that can do it. So um 
Brian Johnson could be another guy. I know that's not a sexy name, and maybe, you know, we don't want to ride that roller coaster again, but in six innings pitched, he has a um, just a, he's got a sub three ERA right now. So I, I, you know, maybe a, <laughs> could be an opener type option. I, I don't know. I mean, he, he's an innings eater. Obviously, you're not trying to expect too much from these guys, and you know, coming out you know, your fifth starter. So, as long as he can not wear out our young arms in the bullpen, that uh, I'm fine with it at this point. I, it's no, it this isn't a World Series or bust year, anyways. So, as long as he can give you maybe 120 innings this season. The the one thing that gives me faith is the the Rays just figured it out. I'm just hoping to be the Rays this season of last year, you know, and sneak into that wild card. That'd be nice. <laughs> that definitely would be nice. And obviously, if it happens, it's gonna it's really gonna have to be on the offense. We're talking a uh, an MVP year out of Bogarts, Devers, and Martinez, which isn't out of the realm of possibility. But they're gonna have to slug their way uh, to to wild card contention, in my opinion. Tiny sample sizes here. Uh, Ryan Weber, five innings pitched, no earned runs. Tanner Houck, five innings pitched, no earned runs. Yeah, they've looked really good. Um, there's a good Twitter handle, Red Sox GIFs, um, that has some of uh, Houck's last start. And it's like a slurve that is what they were describing it as. And that thing just drops off the face of the planet. It was a great pitch. He made a few guys look really silly. So um, obviously they gave him a huge bonus when they picked him in the first round. So uh, I think now might be the time. Um, you, we might be seeing a full season of him. Unless, I don't know how they have to manipulate uh, service time, but um, I'm sure that's only a couple weeks here and there. And obviously you don't need all five starters at the beginning of the season. Yeah, I think if they hold him out until uh, like the third week of April, uh, then they would gain a year on the back end. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, Aaron, you're a big, you know, minor league guy. Both of you guys, admittedly, I, I should probably, you know, look more into that. I, I only know the the close to major league ready guys, you know, or the, you know, the Tristan Casas type guys who, you know, are expected to be, you know, impact guys. But, um, what, what is Houck's makeup? Like what, what can Red Sox fans expect from him when he's on the mound? Uh, that's, I guess, I think he calls it a curveball, but it is more of a slur. It's honestly, it's probably the nastiest pitch I've ever seen live. Like, when he's commanding it, it's unhittable. He's got pretty good power in his fastball, but what I noticed watching him in Portland a ton was when he doesn't command his pitches, he gets hit, and he gets hit hard. So it'll be something he has to figure out, and I think he will need some transition time in the MLB. So when you first see him, I don't think he's going to be that flashy or have that sub-3 ERA. I think he's going to float in the 4-5 to range to start, but I think he'll figure it out. He's... He's definitely got the stuff to make it work. Yeah, we're talking a guy that's – he's a big righty. He's 6'4", um, easily over 200 pounds, um, big fastball. I think he gets up to about 98 I was seeing the other day. So 
obviously he's going to have to figure his stuff out, get his feet underneath him, but he's got great raw stuff. Uh, there's a reason they gave him like two and a half a million dollars to sign with him when he did. So the kid, uh, it's just going to be makeup and, um, yeah, he's got a, should have a pretty good future ahead of him. He's not, it's not like he's going to be uh, picking the corners here. So he's going to try to really challenge guys and, uh, go right at him, which is nice to see instead of watching a guy nibble. Uh, it'll be interesting. I mean, he, uh, you know, he had his roles kind of switched up. They put him in the bullpen uh, last summer. I can't remember if that was uh, in Portland or Pawtucket because if we were going to make the playoffs, we I, apparently the front office thought his value would be uh, in the bullpen. So now that he's getting stretched out a bit, uh, I'm going to be super curious to see him uh, pitch. And, I mean, if we're going to – defy the odds and be competitive, you know, let's say, you know, 87 plus wins, you're probably going to need a guy like Tanner Houck to, you know, kind of make an impact, you know, as a rookie to, to get that done. Uh, another guy, uh, Kyle Hart, he's got a seven and a half ERA right now. I think he might've got thumped uh, within the last game or two, because it it wasn't bad uh, last I checked, but um, I did see kind of headlines that maybe he he could potentially be a um, you know maybe a number five starter, but uh, yeah, Josh Osich, uh it will be a reliever most likely, but you know three and two thirds you know innings he's looking pretty good. Um, yeah, Colton Brewer is having a decent start as well. So, um, yeah, so we'll see. I mean, if anyone emerges uh, internally. Uh, let's see, what was the final topic here? Star ones. Flip my, uh, no, now I completely lost my notes. Um. What was it? <laughs> so bad. Darwin's in. Oh, Darwin's in. Yes, I do want to get to that. So, you know, Darwin's in Hernandez. I'm thinking, you know, maybe a lot of Red Sox fans didn't really see him kind of turn it around last year because as he was doing that, we weren't in contention. So I think a lot of people weren't really paying attention to the team, but he, he did kind of emerge as a late, inning, you know, potentially future dominant, you know, setup guy, or maybe even a closer eventually. And, um, I noticed 12 out of his last 15 appearances, he didn't give up any earned runs, but there were two appearances in those last 15 where he gave up three runs a piece. So it kind of blew up his, uh, you know, his earned run average a little bit, but, there is some talk of maybe stretching him out, uh, you know, to maybe a few innings uh, to be a potential opener. W what are you guys' thoughts on that? I hate it. I, I hate it. I hate it. I hate it. Um, I love Hernandez. And if this was two years Wait, you're breaking up, buddy. But why, why risk? Is it, is it good now? Uh, you're good now. 
Oh, that's weird. I, uh, I, I don't know if it didn't come through, but maybe it was just my passion. I, I hate <laughs> it. I don't want to see him moved out of his role. Um, there, there's no reason to make a desperation move at this point and messing around with something that was really good last year and having him in the back end. Uh, that's a serious weapon. And uh, we, we've seen this in the past. Obviously, I don't think the Red Sox wanted to move Daniel Bard to a starter, but he wanted – to be a starter when he was uh, going to hit free agency the next year. And we all know how that ended and it was ugly. Um, so I, I say don't touch him, leave him be and just, just let him be a weapon. Not every guy has to be, you don't have to stretch him out. He's more valuable as a seventh and eighth guy, uh, inning guy than he is being a, uh, a low end fifth starter because you know, his stuff doesn't play up as well when you got to face uh, the same guy the second and third time through the order. I couldn't agree more with anything. Like, you got it spot on. He's, after two innings, his stuff drops off and he doesn't command it well. And if you're seeing it once in the seventh inning or once in the eighth inning, it's going to be tough to hit. If you let him go through the lineup again, it's not going to be his stuff to hit. It's just his stuff is suited as a setup guy and, in my opinion, a future closer. Well, this is rare because I could not agree more as well. Um, I just feel like this year is a throwaway year for the most part. I mean, maybe the stars align and and, and we're competitive, but it's not the the type of season where I'm willing I'm willing to risk screw this guy screwing this guy up. <laughs> I can't get my words out. Tonight. No, absolutely not. Yeah, you can't do it. Yeah. It, it doesn't make sense. Right. And, you know, you mentioned Daniel Bard. I have a feeling he was probably a little messed up before that transition. You know, we mentioned Lackey had uh, Tommy John, so he was out that year. So, so I mean, we had a slot to fill for that season, and, and it ended up being Bard. But he was – I kind of blame the 2011 collapse on Bard, you know, for the most part, because in, in the month of September, and I think it was the second half of September that year – he was brought into the game with three leads and coughed all three of them up. You know, you yeah. you give us back one of those and you're at least in a game 163. So I think he was, you know, his head case issues were kind of becoming more prominent, uh, you know, throughout that month. And, and then he it was just crazy how he fell apart. Like, he had some bad starts, but... That game against Toronto, I mean, he hit like four guys, I think, and just really lost it all in one start. And they immediately sent him back to Pawtucket, and that was essentially the end. In 2013, he did manage to get called up. He he came in in the ninth inning. I don't know if it was a save situation or not. That was kind of, you know, Koji Uehara didn't emerge until July of that year. You know, we... We thought Joel Hanrahan was going to be our closer. He went down with Tommy John. Then we're like, oh, it's fine. We got Andrew Bailey. And then he goes out with a shoulder. And then it's like, well, you know, Andrew Miller's kind of been coming on. And then he breaks his ankle. <laughs> so you just you get all the way down to um, Koji. But there was a brief window in there where Bard did get called up and – Pitched a very good inning and then got shelled the next time out and sent down. And, and that was literally the end. But um, 
But well, you should. He had a he had a terrible game yesterday. I, I've actually been kind of following him because the Rockies just uh, they signed him, and I was kind of curious to see if he was going to stick with them. But yeah, he he got ridiculously shelled yesterday. Yeah, that's so sad. And I mean, I, I root for the guy. I think he's got a younger brother that's pitching somewhere. Maybe he could be in the minors, but. Um, but yeah, I mean, Bard's 33 crazy that he's still that young, really. Yeah. <laughs> and, um, but just what a, what a loss and, and, you know, getting back to Darwin's in, um, I just, there's just, there's no need to, to screw with something that was really evolving into something great you know if we're in the month of august or september and we're, we're injured and we're just trying our best to patchwork it and and you want to you want to change his role a little bit under those circumstances i get it but not in april of a year we're not expected to compete by any means so i just and he was like coming off the mound last year, late in the season. Like he had some swagger. Like he was figuring it out, and and he knew it. And I just what what is his ceiling? You know, amongst all the great relievers, like do do you think he could reach like Atlanta, Craig Kimbrell? Like I I would think that would be the absolute ceiling. But you you know that's obviously one of the best of our era. Yeah, I think, I mean, if anyone became Craig Kimbrell, I mean, that's a, a fantastic turn of events. Um, I don't know. I, it's, he's kind of unique where I I feel like there's – it's too early to tell because I think we can just watch him turn a corner this year, and I, I really don't know. Obviously, I don't think he'll be as dominant as Kimbrell, but I think we're looking at a guy that could have an ERA in the low threes if he's – just a reliever i think he could be more dominant than that even i mean his uh i have his yeah my device is screwing up he, his strikeout through nine rate last year was just under 17 <laughs> i mean that's was like, it really that high okay he, damn yeah his walk rate was high but i i have a feeling that was uh you know because of the start he had um yeah his his K through nine was 16.91. So just absolutely filthy stuff. And, you know, the walks, you know, that's all part of him reining it in. And, and once he does, I'm just wondering, I mean, you can't compare him to Chapman because he doesn't have the velocity. I mean, Chapman was over a hundred miles an hour for several years. So that's not going to be a, a comp. And I'm not going to even mention, I'm not going to try to put him in there with Mariano, obviously. But, but I mean, I mean, Papelbon was one of the better closers of our era. And, uh, you know, not, you know, dominant. Well, I mean, he was kind of dominant. He was pretty dominant. Yeah. He just, I don't know. I mean, his ERA was, you know, always around three, it seemed like, and he was prone to, to blowing a couple of saves here and there, but, um, but yeah, I don't know. It's been, it's been since Papelbon really, since we've had that homegrown guy. And I think that's Darwin's in and, you know, I mean, is Feltman going to figure it out? 
because I mean he he had a lot of hype and we we drafted him pretty high. Yeah, I don't know. I was I was kind of hoping to see a little more of him during spring. I don't know if they already optioned him out because I think he's only thrown a third of an inning. So I I don't think we'll see him before July. Uh, if that, especially you know, if he's struggling. Um, if he struggles this year, I think it's kind of a wrap on him because he was obviously supposed to be up last year. So I don't know. Uh, it could be one of those guys that gets moved into a deal for a, you know, a crappy fifth starter because the Red Sox have lost faith in him. And, and you know, uh, oh, to get a weight LeBlanc and the Orioles are like, whatever, we can afford to spend some time waiting on him. Yeah, they got Lakens from us, I think, which I can't believe we pulled the plug on him so quick. But. Well, yeah, he went to the Cubs, and then they dropped him. Yeah. Uh, yeah, he's been bouncing around a little bit. Could be. It might be an injury, you know, and he just can't go to a win-now team. And, you know, I'm just guessing, but it, it stunned me that, that we got rid of him. You know, Bloom just kind of has a mind of his own, and I'm just hoping it really translates to, to something brilliant. But, um, you know, that remains to be seen, but... Aaron, you're kind of quiet over there. What, you know, what are you thinking? You know, as far as uh, the bullpen or bullpen you uh, know, prospects. Um, I have way less faith in Feltman than either of you. I don't. He really struggled to make that jump from Salem to Portland, and he couldn't figure it out in Portland all year. Like, I was at the point where. I could almost feel confident leaving a game early with the lead if Durbin Feldman was on the mound because we were going to lose. Oh, like, wow. <laughs> he, couldn't, he couldn't command, and it was not good. I am i don't know if you guys have seen him at all. He's a non-roster invitee this year, Robinson Lair. I really like him. We got him from the Angels last year because they dropped him. I think he has good stuff. He's never going to be a closer, but I do think he could potentially help the bullpen and be like a middle, like a not really a long relief, but like a maybe a fifth inning, sixth inning guy. Okay, I mean, I mean, I'm not familiar with him, but I'm always intrigued when a you know a name comes up and you know and they get a little bit of momentum. I mean, J- Josh Taylor last year was a good example of that. We get him in the Marrero trade. <laughs> I mean, and he ends up being pretty solid, you know, in, in the second half. So, um, so it'll be interesting. Ho- hopefully though, they are identifying some long guys here. You know, if they're going to do the opener, you, you need at least a couple guys that can go two or three innings. And, you know, I, I don't know if Osich, you know, fits that that bill or or whatever. I we know Johnson does, but how long is he going to pitch effectively? Oh, here's one thing though, and maybe I maybe I kind of lean on this more than a lot of people, but I really think the balls aren't going to be juiced this year. I don't think we're going to be seeing what we saw in the first half of last year. So I think some of these guys, especially. The guys who only top out around 90, you know, and throw a lot of off-speed stuff. I think they're going to be able to pitch to contact again. And if that's the case, then, you, you know, maybe maybe we're going to be a little better than, than what we anticipate. 
I hope so. I hope you're right there. <laughs> yeah. I also remember. I, I just remember last, like, the first week of July, like, right around the time we went to London, uh, like, at least four or five guys had 30 home runs already. Uh, you know, Bellinger was one of them. Um, I don't know where Trout was. I don't think Mookie was quite there yet, but um, there were some guys right around 30 home runs. And, oh, and the, the Mets guy there, the rookie, the polar bear, um, Alonzo, he was he was up there. And I was like, geez, like seven or eight guys might break Roger Maris's record this year. How <laughs> stupid is that going to be? And, and you know, because you're – a lot of the home runs are in July and August. You know, once the the heat and humidity pick up, the balls carry more. So I'm thinking, geez, you know, they're already there halfway to 60. You know, and then nobody got there. You know, Alonzo, I think, hit 53, was it? Or 54, something like that. And that was the most in the major. So I think they made a, a switch. And, I mean, that London series was just utterly disgusting just football yeah. football score type you know runs on the board and and may, they they were saying the the stadium contributed to it you know because of the the drafts you know and yeah the, you had those guys over there those fans are like wait americans find this boring it's like <laughs> no it it's not usually 19 to 17 in the third inning, guys. Like, tr- trust me. I think even in the first inning, it was like 7-7 at one point. It was just crazy. So, I mean, if if the balls are relatively normal again, um, I just I, – I think if these guys can pitch to contact again I- – I think, yeah, I, I think you're on to something. I don't know if you saw the link I sent you right before we hopped on, but um, there might be some uh, different things going on this year. The Angels just fired their clubhouse manager of like 20-something years because uh, he brought in a foreign substance to doctor the balls. Uh, that just happened today, uh, this afternoon. Um, so, yeah, definitely something to keep an eye on. We might be in for a giant market correction, um, but it, uh it's going to be very interesting to see. Yeah, I I did uh, catch a glimpse of that, and uh, that that is interesting. So um, it'll be. I hope they enforce it. I really do. You know, I just rather have normal baseball. I don't like fake baseball, and we got a lot of fake baseball last year. I mean, Malik yeah. Smith in in the home opener against us with the. Uh, with the Mariners crushed one and he had only hit two home runs the year before. And this was a day in, in the fifties in Seattle, you know, and, and the balls were flying out. So, uh, well, all right, we're right around an hour, just over actually. So I, I guess, uh, I guess we can wrap any final thoughts, uh, anything you guys are keeping an eye on here that, uh, is worth mentioning. Um, just that, you know, uh, one guy that's looked really good so far and uh, gives us a little hope on uh, you know a player we traded. I don't want to keep mentioning uh, Connor Wong, looking really good so far uh, behind the, both behind the plate and at the plate. So if you can stream any games and he he's playing, uh, definitely some keep an eye on. Where's he gonna start? Is he gonna go to high A or double A? Oh, I think he. 
I, I think he's going to be in AAA this year. Oh, damn. All right. <laughs> Look out, Christian Vasquez. Okay. Well, I mean, when you're in AA, you know, it, it, the acceleration can go quick. I mean, and, I mean, we've seen some guys even skip uh, AAA. I, I don't know. Yeah, that. you know what? I'm looking it up now. Uh, SoxProspects.com has him projected to be the starter in AA uh, Portland. So, um, yeah, it makes a little more sense since they do have some depth on the major league team that's obviously probably going to get optioned out. So, yeah, uh, definitely a guy to keep an eye on. Uh, really athletic. Threw a guy out at third his first game. Uh, I think he had a grand slam in the, home, in the same, uh, same game. So uh, exciting player to watch. I heard that, yeah, about the Grand Slam. I maybe that's part of the genius to High and Bloom. Maybe he just knew something that the Dodgers didn't, or, or just wasn't paying attention to. And you know, because they said he hit 28 home runs last year in the minors, but he projects to be a backup. I'm like, what? <laughs> you know, uh, you know that sounds a little off. And if he can, if he works well with the pitching staff, I mean. Geez, I mean, he could be the best catcher we've had since since Jason Veritek. And, and not only not only that, if this bat develops, he also plays second and third. So, you know, even if you want to give his knees a rest, you can throw him at second base one day if he's, you know, swinging the bat really hot. Yeah, may as well. Yeah, Aaron, what, what do you got? Um... I'm excited to watch Erod take the ball again tomorrow. I mean, it's always entertaining to watch him pitch, and I think it's a plus. And I'm really, I'm just really excited to get watch him not only tomorrow, but as the regular season baseball gets going, I'm really intrigued to see if he takes another step forward or if again the old injury prone Erod comes back. Yeah, you know, and he's probably going to be the opening day starter unless Evaldi just kills it. I, I guess you can make a case that Evaldi could be. I, I would give it to Erod personally, but um, but yeah, and you know, he had a good year last year. I don't have his numbers up in front of me, but his his high previously going into last year was 137 innings, and I, he blew that out of the water. I know he must have pitched at least 180. So. You know, you get if you can keep getting that. I mean, he could be a potential extension candidate, really. Um, you know, so we'll see. And the one encouraging thing about him is all of his injuries have been lower body. There's been no shoulder, no elbow. It's all been mostly knee related. So, you know, if you can just kind of keep him from being too clumsy, I, I think, you know. He, he's going to be solid in the rotation. Yeah, I mean, hope so. Just got to keep him out of way, out of his own way because didn't he hear he, he uh, had a little knee scare this season, didn't he? Yeah, and it wasn't the knee that was repaired. So I, I, think, oh. I, I think it's just because of the fact it was E-Rod and there was a slight incident. You know, <laughs> everybody just kind of gasps. But uh, – he seems fine, and I, I don't expect um, any real glitches. So, All right, well, I guess we'll wrap. I, I have to do, I think, part three with Porter on, I think, tentatively Sunday. So barring a major development, there uh, probably won't be anything until next week. The punishments could be multiple weeks away still. So, um, 
you know, we'll just have to keep an eye on that. But, uh, you know, we'll continue to record, uh, you know, as the developments happen, which have been hot and heavy uh, this week. So we're on March 5th, so we got 21 more days. Three weeks. Yeah, three weeks from today is when the season starts. Yeah, closer. Yeah, absolutely. Have my life back. And I I get the whole... (laughs) MLB package. I I always say, because I'm a baseball only guy, you know, football does nothing for me. And, you know, winter to me is like being in prison and, and opening day is my release date, you know, and then you get your life back. That's what it's like for me. Yeah. You know, the, the, even if the temperature doesn't change, it just feels a little bit warmer out. The sun shines a little bit brighter um it's just a much better time of year once there's you know first pitch happens yeah absolutely and it's just a routine like your day is you know every day you know for me it's you know 7 10 so it's what's that for you 5 10 um oh it's great out in denver you know and yeah you you get to your sleep doesn't get deprived like mine does you know <laughs> extra innings, exactly. rain delay you oh know. i remember those mariner games those were the worst wait until 10 p.m <laughs> oh yeah west coast when you're so excited for the season to start and then last year like what was it seattle oakland and uh and uh arizona <laughs> yeah yeah that so. was- <laughs> sucked and we got thumped basically the whole time so yeah all right well we'll wrap uh aaron excellent job buddy glad you uh came on and uh i'll, I'll definitely be reaching out to you you know as we have openings good job i appreciate it whenever you guys have me so thank you i'm i'm not professional but i i do my best yeah you hold your own you're 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 a brock holt Hey, that, I'll take that compliment. Yeah, I don't know. If, I don't remember that you're, you know, as good looking as he is, but, you know, close enough. <laughs> just kidding. <laughs> uh, just kidding. I'm a fat bastard, so, you know, make fun of me all you want. Yeah, all right, guys. <laughs> have, have a good night. All right. Good night, guys. Go soft. episode 192 in the books very productive and if i'm being honest i was not on my game in episode 191 and uh i feel like i i gave up you know six runs in the first inning i just i didn't feel good the whole last episode got a lot in this one and uh hope you guys enjoyed it and as i just said we'll be back uh as things continue to develop take care